you cool cats and kittens. You're listening to Talk Crooked, <laughs> social justice and comedy podcast where two friends laugh, cry, and rage about an unspeakable subject while enjoying adult beverages. And we are back to margaritas today. So my name Yay. is Kay. And I'm Carrie. And I have a virgin margarita, just, you know. Yes. <laughs> we're not making <laughs> we're not making Carrie drink. She is carrying no. a child. A child yes. of the Lord. <laughs> I am night almost 19, 19 weeks pregnant, so. Oh. And you're so cute. You're such Aww, a cute pregnant thank lady. You. You're welcome. Thank you. I am in a lot of pain, but it's okay. <laughs> It's, it's all okay. part of being so, cute, right? <laughs> yeah, it's so cute. The things so we do for cute. beauty. Yeah, it's so cute. All right, I just guys. wanted the glow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. JK, JK. All right. Oh my, One, two, oh. three. Get your shots. Get your shots. Let's go. One, two, three, go. But oh goodness, I did not have a shot. That, that but I shot could feel went it. down so smooth. It went down so smooth. <laughs> I could feel it reverberating through space and time. <laughs> I'm glad that it did. I'm on my third so glass of wine is, tonight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's only six fifty. Except that you're having a margarita, remember? Yeah. Yes. Oh shit. Um, I'm having <laughs> wine. <laughs> I'm having wine and a margarita. I am that drunk. Woo woo! <laughs> Doubling down. Yeah. Doubling down. Double so fisting is, alcohol. As of as of today, it is April third when we're recording this, so we are still very much in quarantine until at least the thirtieth, oh, probably longer. It's the, probably the gonna be longer. The government doesn't want to tell us that it's gonna be four months, but it's gonna be four months. It's gonna be a long time. I don't think four <laughs> months, but I think it's gonna be a long time, especially if people don't stop being idiots. Yeah. And yes, I'm talking to you. If you fucking leave your house and go hang out with people, you're a fucking idiot. Stop that. You're making this last longer. Yeah, Stay if you in your go houses so that I can go to the beach in June for fuck's sake. If you go to a coronavirus <laughs> party, you deserve to get the coronavirus. Why? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Sorry, Both not Both of sorry. my neighbors had people over yesterday. Mine, mine did too today. They had people yeah. over and they was washing their cars and now they're gone. I don't understand. They, um, one of my next door neighbors had a bunch of kids over, which is a terrible idea because we all know that kids are asymptomatic carriers for this virus. Mm-hmm. And they were back over there today. And then my other neighbors on the other side, who we were just talking to, and they were like, yeah, we're trying to be really careful. Um, our son has really bad asthma, so he's super high risk. And they had people over, and they were, like, sitting out on the porch talking, and they were not six feet apart. <laughs> oh, my God. Y'all yeah. motherfuckers can all go to hell. Yeah, it was I my was like, birthday. Wow, good job, guys. Yeah, it was my birthday a few days ago. I didn't have nobody over. And nope. you know what? I was gypped. <laughs> I, I was apparently gypped. everybody's cheating. Yeah. I was listening to the governor today and apparently there are still some churches that are still meeting. You guys, the internet oh, yeah. exists. Why are you doing that? Lord Jesus does not want you out in this time. No, no, this is not the time for that. The internet exists. But if you uh, don't have a computer, we all have a fucking smartphone. Let's yeah, come on. 
Even if it's oh a janky-ass smartphone. Yes. Um, but you still and, get the internet. Yeah. But enough about the stupid people around us. Can we... We're going to talk... Please yes. talk yes. about Joe Exotic. Can we yes, please we can. do that? <laughs> yes. Because, yeah. oh my God. We hope... I really thought it was fun. Just at the top of this, I really thought it was fun that, like, as a nation, we were all, like book clubbing it together yes oh my god it was so fun (laughs) i saw this meme today and it was like thank you or tv execs thank you disney plus and amazon for releasing stuff early and releasing rentals netflix what do you have for us netflix was like sits back light cigarette let me tell you about the tiger king Uh (laughs) and i was like yes (laughs) this is what we've been sitting on for a minute yes let me Holy show you shit the shit show that is that show oh my god oh i was so angry for most of that and then i loved how it ended it was just great yeah i really loved the ending because yeah. i loved that they brought it full circle just to like get away from the fun stuff for just a second i love that they brought it full circle and they were like this isn't this now is not even about the cats anymore and who's caring for the animals mm-hmm and that's the most important thing, yeah. you know. Four thousand cats in the in the wild versus five to ten thousand of them in captivity is not what you're supposed to be doing. No, that dumbass bitch head that was like, "Well, if something's endangered, you make more of it." Fuck you. That's not what you do. Yes, you make more of it, and then you rehabilitate them to go back into the wild, and you have to stop poaching. It's a really big thing. Yeah. Poaching is such a big deal, And it's something that's ingrained in a lot of cultures when it surrounds tigers. Like, poaching is a big part of people's cultures, which is why rhinos are going extinct and things like Mm -hmm. that. They're walking around with no horns, poor babies. And, you know, it's just... Did you know that that's that's why... that's, the big issue. Did you know that, though, that's why, like, elephants and rhinos in Africa, like, they're dying their tusks pink? So that people will stop poaching them because once... I love that. Yeah, because once they've dyed it that color, like, there's no point in getting the tusk. It loses the value. Yeah. Yeah. You do not need ivory for piano keys, you guys. Plastic is just fine. It sounds the same. Even though plastic isn't great. But you could use wood. But you're not, like, you're also not going to be throwing a piano away for no reason. No, probably not. That's true. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Like... Anyway, yeah. So let's talk about that though. Let's let's talk about the shit show. Holy shit, guys. When <laughs> my mom and I started this on like Monday night and we got through an episode and a half and I looked at her like we paused it and I looked at her. I said, "What the fuck just happened?" <laughs> She's like, <laughs> I don't know, but I need a cigarette. And she went into the garage and smoked her cigarette and did not come back inside. So I finished she it by myself. She couldn't the gay <laughs> That was what broke her. That, like, well, that to was be fair, the though, there it. was only... To be fair, though, there was only one gay dude in that thruple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was Joseph Exotic himself. Yeah. So... That's what I have Apparently, a with. if you put meth and tigers together, you can bang a straight guy. It makes yeah. a straight guy gay. <laughs> I saw a meme today that was like, there aren't enough gay guys in Oklahoma, so Joe just made his own. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. 
Oh my God, he did. But, um, and I just want to say real quick, I have no problem with polyamory. I have no problem at all. Neither of us do. Polygamy I have an issue with, but. Yeah. Like I would different, by the way. Yeah. (laughs) In case anyone was wondering. I would love to be in a polyamorous relationship. The problem that I have with what happened there is that his first husband was not comfortable. His second husband was not comfortable. They were both 19 when they met Joe. And they were both seduced by an older man. And even though they were adults, it was it was still wrong because they were not he gay and them he was with using drugs them and tigers. Yeah, yeah. It was it just the whole thing felt very predatory. And you guys know mm-hmm. that we are not like against gayness. Like do your do yeah. your shit. You know, <laughs> whatever you want as long as everyone's consenting. But it didn't seem like there was much consent happening. Yeah, so, there was not um, a lot of consent, especially happening. his poor mother, poor Travis's yeah. mom. Oh my god. There at the I, end, like after he killed himself and then two months later married that other dude and then like invited her to get her picture taken with him and then never spoke to her to her again. What oh my the fuck? god. That bothered me so much. And his poor that campaign was so manager. Upsetting. His poor campaign manager saw yeah, this. Did, that dude That video broke me. Yeah, that I was, was like, really upsetting. I was like, I think I would react the same way. Because like, what do you do? I don't judge. I don't know. That poor guy. Yeah. That poor guy saw some shit. Yeah, he did. <laughs> All he wanted to do was he be was a campaign just a man- manager. <laughs> he was a manager at Walmart who got the job, got his dream job and working for an absolute fucking lunatic. Oh, my God. And, With all and, the money he was making, you'd think he could buy his husband some teeth, too. Oh, yeah, seriously. And, you know, I did. I thought at first that I recognized Joe Exotic. I thought that I recognized mm-hmm. him. And I was like, I cannot figure out where I know him from. And then they played the John Oliver clip. And I was yep. like, oh, I remember yep. that. <laughs> I knew of him because I think they did an episode about him on Wine and Crime. I think Amanda did an episode. Um, um, I know him, that. I don't remember what the episode was i just i know that i've heard of him through a podcast before christine Um, wanted to christine thought about doing an episode on him i listened to beach too sandy water too wet today uh and they did a special episode on this and christine said that she heard about reviews of this series which is amazing yes and and she also found (laughs) reviews of the park she found reviews of Joe oh, Exotic's no! Park. Yeah. And um, Christine had said that a couple of years ago when she was going to do a live show in Florida, she wanted to talk about Joe Exotic, but she started, like, mm-hmm. reading more about him. And she was like, oh, my God, animal, animal abuse. I can't do it. Yeah, and, no, you can't do that, especially not a live show. Yeah, but no. The thing is, like, a lot of people are questioning whether – it's correct for him to be incarcerated on the solicitation charge. And I just want to say that I feel like that solicitation charge is like the smallest of the shit that he was into. He still deserves to be locked up. Oh yeah. He's a felony now. Like you can't, you can't do that. You you had 14 tigers in one cage. You can't do that. No, they were like fighting each other for the baloney. He threw at them. Like that's not expired. baloney. that. And You're also, he was also killing cubs, which is illegal because tigers are endangered. Mm-hmm. He was also breeding, which is illegal. 
He was, you know, I mean, just so many. He was embezzling. He was, I mean. Embezzled $80,000. Extorted all that money from his poor parents. Yeah. Just, I mean, there's nothing. No. Like, (laughs) sorry. And he fucked over. He fucked over his not gay husbands, both of them. Yes, both of them. Um, oh my goodness! And let me just say, like, there are issues with Carol Baskins. There are, oh, yes, there are major issues. But also, I understand the feeding her first husband to a tiger. If she did it, and I'm not saying she did, but I get it. Number two, I do kind of get that, but I don't care for the. I, <laughs> I don't like what she did with his money. Yeah, I don't and like how she it. fucked over his kids. That was not good. No. But uh, yeah. But uh, <laughs> that doesn't bode well for someone also, who's claiming to be innocent. It also didn't bode well that she did then she then did a video about how to get rich and was talking about yeah. that did not bode very well. No. But I'm also glad that she wasn't murdered because of this. Oh, yeah. Absolute she definitely fucking didn't deserve nonsense. to be murdered. Nobody deserves to be murdered. My no. God. No. Not even. I, I've already. Like, I've been through a lot through this quarantine, and I have decided I'm against the death penalty. So nobody deserves to be murdered. <laughs> like, yeah. Ever. Because I've been binge watching a lot of John Oliver lately, and I've learned a lot. Isn't John Oliver <laughs> wonderful? I've learned so much, and it's, especially when people give you the argument of, like, if, which this is not even the topic that we're talking about this week, but the argument of, like, if, if prisoner, well, how does it, would you rather spend our tax money, like, keeping them alive, and it's, like, three or four times more expensive to kill them, mm-hmm. <laughs> because the drugs cost so much, and they're terrible. Yeah. They don't work. So, <laughs> so then they suffer. Horribly inhumane. So, yeah. yeah, it's not great, and we should just stop it. And I, I will say that I think serial killers like Jeffrey Dahmer, um, Ted Bundy, he wasn't executed. Uh, oh, I know he wasn't. But like, if if it had come to it, I could see the death penalty but i'm also very conflicted on that like even though we know that they did it like what if someone gets convicted that was not death row inmates are innocent yeah that's a real statistic yeah (laughs) (laughs) that doesn't sit well with me i'm not gonna vote towards murdering anyone yeah and honestly like system is theater a lot of the time so no (laughs) and honestly like we don't have that right to choose who lives or dies no, that's and, not within our parameter. And most civilized countries don't do that. So, yeah. fucking England doesn't even have the death penalty anymore. And they loved killing people. <laughs> <laughs> they were super creative with it. I, I was that's talking. Not, that's, not, that's a savage thing. That is not <laughs> something that civilized people do. So. Yeah, no. I was I am with Ned Stark Ned Stark on it. If you believe in the death penalty, then you swing the fucking sword. Yep. Um I was reading Dr. Faustus this week for Britlet. Ooh, oh, I love Dr. Faustus. Me the fuck too. And in the introduction like about the author and about what happened surrounding this play, Uh, One of the questions was, what are the limits of God's forgiveness? 
And I I was like, that is, is that a, a question. That is a question. And I was like, uh-huh. And it also led me into this train of thought. Well, what did Satan do that was so bad that got him sent to hell? Because we don't really know. It's not in the Bible. We have guesstimates, nope. but we don't know what happened. There's a lot of theory that he left. Yeah. Well, was sent. <laughs> well, it was like so. 1145 at night. <laughs> I texted yeah. I texted my mom. I said, What do you think are the limits of God's forgiveness? My God. <laughs> and then your mom like came in and was like, Are you okay? Like this is not <laughs> and she healthy was like, behavior. And I texted it to a couple of my friends too, just because like I want to know the answer. I want to know what other people's answers are. So please oh my God, if Kay. you don't send me a story, send me an answer. Because I don't know. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Kay's doing homework and she's confused. And like the walls are starting to close in. Yeah, they are. And my mom texted me back. Or no, she walked into the room with my dog and put my dog on the bed. She went, You start this the second I decide to go to bed. You have the worst timing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> put him to my door shut. This is not the time. <laughs> this is not the time. Oh, goodness. This is also not what we're talking about. So this week... No. <laughs> this week, we are talking about... Hold on. Andy. You're cutting out really bad. Oh, like, no. Can you hear me? Okay. I can hear you now. Are you there? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Just making sure. Yeah. Sorry, guys. We're still remotely recording, and cell service is not great. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Let's try that again. So okay. this week... <laughs> We are talking about family, family annihilators. I tried to say annihilation, but yes, I know I heard family. You. Yeah, family annihilators. Family, family annihilators. So, um, this is a really fascinating topic. Um, and if you've been into true crime the way that we do, we we've heard a lot about this type of killer. This is a specific type of. I think we would classify them as serial killers, because mm-hmm. generally they're killing more than three people, but um, it's not like they're going out and killing, you know, blonde women, like all women that are blonde or something yeah. like that. It's definitely within their own family. Um, My case and there's killed actually... seven people. Woo! Yeah. I mean, you know, like the average size of a family, you know, at least mm-hmm. two to three people. It, and sometimes that includes themselves. A lot of these cases end in murder-suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are three different kinds of family annihilators. So there's definitely um, one of them is, of course, someone who's suffering from a certain type of psychosis. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, you know what? I'm, gonna, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me, de- let me define it first. So um, Experts in criminal behavior say so-called family annihilators are often trying to spare their families from an indignity or tragedy, either real or imagined. Mm -hmm. So it's someone who kills their entire family, either because, like I said, they're suffering from some kind of psychosis. So that's like, you know, they have a delusion. Maybe it's schizophrenia and they're hearing voices. It could be that. It could be a bipolar episode. Um, Well, you see this in a lot of cults, too. Yes, um any kind of psychosis like that there's also Mm -hmm. debt which is a really big one that's a really really common one the psychosis one is actually really rare Mm -hmm. um the the other two are the more are the more common and generally these are male 
these are males. I don't know, actually, I don't think I've ever heard of a female doing this. Um, but that doesn't mean it, that it doesn't exist. I actually didn't research that part to see if, if women do this or not. But I know that all the ones that I've heard of have been men. Mm-hmm. And I would say that it's probably... It's, it's probably the... the a, a staggering majority of these of these offenders are male. I think, um, uh, yeah, I could see that, especially with the way that emotions are dealt with in American mm-hmm. men. Not um, dealt with? <laughs> well, yeah, the, the lack yeah. of emotion dealing. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> the lack of emotional maturity and availability yeah. in the male population. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> we're going to get real snooty about it. Um, woo, woo, woo. <laughs> yeah. But we are. Yeah. I, I watched a piece last night of, well, I watched a bunch of rich white old dudes tell try to argue why we don't have paid time off for new moms. It was super depressing. Thank <laughs> you. I'm not on the side of men right now. Yes, it's so No terrible. vagina, no opinion. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sorry. It was really, really well done. Yeah. Thank you, John Oliver. <laughs> um, it was a Mother's Day episode, too. It was great. Nice. Um, okay, so... <laughs> Happy Mother's Day! You get no paid leave. The, I remember whole, that episode. Sorry, this is a total sidebar, but there was a whole video of all these senators telling them, tell, saying to the camera how much they love their moms for Mother's Day and then going in and voting against any paid time off. Because uh. it would, quote-unquote, kill the economy, even though we're the only country in the world that doesn't do it. Besides Papua New Guinea. So... Yeah. Anyway... <laughs> You can get unpaid time off for 12 weeks if you've been with your company for over a year and the, you work for a company with 50 or more employees. And Isn't even then you America may not be able great. to afford it because it's not paid. So. Nope. <sighs> anyway. So. <laughs> anyway, so these are people. Um, a lot of times this is what the dark side of a pretty serious OCD issue. So this is where. Um, what I mean by that is, like, people have a certain vision of how their life is going to go and a certain way that they want to be perceived. And then when it turns out that that can't, that that's not going to happen because of misuse of money and, you know, generally it's money. A lot of times it's money. A lot of, and then another, uh, the third way, uh, sorry, so we did psychosis, debt, and then the third, um, the third category of these types of people are um, people who are suffering from a quote-unquote intolerable family mm. or people who just want to start fresh. Like, it's just like, oh, well, my wife turned into someone I don't like anymore and I want to go fuck this other lady. Then just fucking leave. I don't like the way my leave. kids have turned out. They just want to, yeah, they, so they're like, meh, clean slate. And they don't see, but the thing is that they don't see their family as people. They see them as assets to their image if that makes sense to you it does but if you can see that yeah but let me just say my father I mean, did it's not this shit correct. five times oh yeah like, I, I, it he didn't can kill be anybody, done but he did start like, over he he did start over a bunch and i would mm-hmm. much rather him do that than fucking kill me oh yeah for sure oh he sucks as a person anyway he almost did kill um, me but we won't get into that <laughs> No, we won't. <laughs> we won't get into that. Um, okay, so, um, like I said, this is like a dark side of OCD because you have this vision of how your life was going to go and then it mm-hmm. went in a different direction and you can't handle that because you're not equipped. Because um, mm-hmm. you're so, a lot of times it's an image obsession. A lot of times it's that you just don't see any other way out. 
Yeah. Um, I know, I think it was List, John List, who, um, that's the biggest one that I can remember, who he had this big lavish mansion and these two kids that were fantastic, according to their teachers and you yeah. know, everybody. And then his wife was like a raging alcoholic. And I think his mom lived in the house too, but it was this crazy yes. mansion. They had like a Tiffany stained glass ceiling in the ballroom and all that nonsense. Oh, and they were in like crazy amounts of debt. Oh, so much debt. And then he lost his job and then he kept pretending to go to work every day, but he wasn't mm-hmm. looking for a new job, which is a problem. Um mm-hmm. So they were just sinking into further and further debt. And then the the crazy thing is, is after he killed his entire family and left to go start a new life in like Oklahoma or Nebraska or wherever the fuck he went. Mm-hmm. Um, he also like, this was pre-internet, so he cut himself out of all the pictures so nobody could find him. Oh my God. Yeah, it was so creepy. It's such a good story. It's so sad. Um, but he his his new wife recognized him on tv on the most wanted <laughs> i remember <laughs> that like uh that's a hundred percent you <laughs> what the hell like what is yeah. this <laughs> just Imagine comes home hi honey feeling that she felt <laughs> but yeah so he but the irony is that if he had sold that stained glass window and like skylight the tiffany skylight would have paid for all of his debts oh my god and he would have been fine yeah, yeah, there's a reason I and, didn't uh, do that one. Th- they burned the house down. Yeah. Yeah. But it was really sad. Um, He did a whole bunch of shit, too. It was a thousand percent premeditated. I mean, he killed his wife and his and his mom first, and then he picked his kids up and oh, killed yeah. both of them. He put everybody in the ballroom, turned on all the lights so nobody would think anything was weird. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and then left. Just, like, l- pieced the fuck out. To a whole other state, and yeah, I mean, it was just crazy. Took on a whole new identity. Yeah, back when you could do that thing like really easily because the internet didn't exist. If that um, was that easy yeah. now, wow. Like, I, I mean, I would do it. Like, no, you I, wouldn't. Shut up. I wouldn't All kill right, people so, for it, but like, <laughs> it's appealing, but it's not though. When you think of the psychology behind it, it's really something that's very hard to do to leave who you are completely behind. So, yeah. um, I've got a quote here. So, um, by the way, I got this article from uh, www.ctpost.com. Um, I'm not reading directly from it. I found some snippets that I really liked, and I figured we could discuss a little bit because we're both really familiar with this convert with this topic. So, yeah. Um, and people, you know, people who have um, been into true crime know. What this is a lot, uh, it, it comes up a lot on um, various true crime podcasts and things like that. So, um, but I did want to go ahead and define it at the top just in case anybody's new, um, new to this topic. So, um, this is a quote by Dr. Stephanie Leet. She's a psychologist in, in Hartford. And she said, quote, I always want to ask, what was the problem and why did they decide that killing their family was the best solution? They're trying to fix a problem, and the really horrible solution they've come up with is to kill their family. And they don't see any other way out of it. It's kind of like tunnel vision, and like when people with really bad depression go to that place of like, well, I can't see a way out, I'll end my life. Like that, and then, yeah, and then they complete suicide. It's the same kind of tunnel vision. So, um,. And it's something that comes from not talking about your problems. It's really easy to go to those weird places. And then when you say them out loud, you're like, oh, wait, that's not. 
That's, that's not, not at all like true. when Phyllis, you know, like in the office, we'll, we'll lighten it up for a minute. When Phyllis is getting her, her back worked on by Dwight and she just goes, I'm afraid that Bob's going to cheat on me with his new secretary. And then she laughs and she's like, when I see it out loud, it's just so silly. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's just, you got to talk about your shit, man. So, um, sometimes it could be a schizophrenia related delusions. It could be drug related. Um, like that wrestler who was so fucked on scare- steroids that he killed his entire family and then hung himself on the Bowflex in the basement. That's a good one. Um, I forgot I don't about what that, that guy's one. name is. I don't remember what that guy's name was. I feel like his name was Chris. Um, I'm sure somebody will correct me. Um, but yeah, he and his wife were both wrestlers. They were both on a crazy fucking amount of steroids and the pressure of everything, which if you know anything about the world, right, about WWE, it's an incredibly high pressure job. You're not paid well and you're not compensated well for injuries or anything like that. So a lot of them turn to drugs and get hooked on opioids and painkillers because they put their bodies through hell. And it's really, really sad. Mm-hmm. It was Christopher um, Lee Watts. Oh, OK. Thank you. You're I knew welcome. it was Chris something. Um, and yeah, he killed his wife and son and then hung himself by, by his Bowflex in the basement. And they found him like that when he didn't show up for work. And I mean, that's just terrible. He'd also yeah. been through various head injuries and all kinds of things and just had his, nowhere else, had no way of coping. His wife um, was so pregnant. So there's also that. His wife was, was she pregnant. pregnant really? Yeah. And they had two daughters. Oh, I thought and he had a son. She was probably pregnant with the boy, but he had two daughters. No, I thought he had, like, an autistic son. Uh, huh. Okay. Maybe I'm getting these mixed up. But I could have sworn that it was just him and his wife and his son. But anyway, we'll do that. I'll visit. I'll revisit that, uh, that, uh, that story later. But anyway, th- not the point. The <laughs> point is that he was so, he was so far gone on drugs and, and, and alcohol and steroids that he, and, and, various head injuries that hadn't been fixed properly mm-hmm. that this is what happened this was the result this i think this this has probably happened to some football players too i would guess oh yeah i'm um, sure so Pro- probably even fucking oj simpson probably kind of got into this. oh god don't even get me started on the nfl um <laughs> i could rant for so fucking long <laughs> oh my god um <clears throat> so uh again like i said uh so um again like i said it could be schizophrenia related delusions it could be drug related a lot of times though it's just money problems yeah um another psychologist um said named barrel last name is barrel i didn't get again i'm just i'm copying pasting um snippets from this article instead of just reading directly through it so a lot of this is going to sound a little disjointed and i apologize for that but um um, another psychologist said that perpetrators of familicide often, quote, believe that somehow this is the way to spare his family from humiliation, the stress, and himself the embarrassment of hitting rock bottom. So he's made, the, so in this instance, of course, like I said, the majority of these being male, <clears throat> he's decided that this situation is too humiliating and he's going to spare them that humiliation. Can we talk about humiliation for a second? That's not the point, though. Like, that's not the point. The point is that when you get to rock bottom, the beauty of family is that you come together and lean on each other and you go through it together and you get to the other side. Mm -hmm. Josh and I have been so fucking poor that 
we lost his car, had to sell everything that we owned to get it out of impound. Like, I mean, had negative $600 in the bank. Like, you'll get through it. But humiliation is such a fucking strong emotion in America. Oh, it truly is. Especially hypothetical humiliation. The thought for men of that... Like, they've said multiple times that women are afraid of getting murdered and men are afraid of humiliation. Mm -hmm. So... It's and I think it, it's the ultimate. It's the ultimate fear for them. Whereas ours is, you know, getting raped and murdered. Um, I, I wonder whose is worse. Yeah, <laughs> but I think who's it got is worse in this world. I think it is inherently from our Puritan background th- oh, that sure. ideal of like being the most perfect you can be. That we still have that ingrained in us. It is so weird. Oh, it is that two hundred. 200 300 years have passed and that is still such a motivating emotion to get it's totally something that you could argue is in our collective unconscious as just as a society oh yeah that we we're still working through that yeah oh um and i think i think it's getting better i think in our generations especially like i think i think it's getting better um i'm at least as far as like more people being open about things and being like hey there's ways to get through this this is what i've been through and this is where i am now look i've come out the other side like yeah that's huge for this kind of thing and it's also huge that men are being more encouraged to vent their feelings and things like that and work through things and talk through things um so i i I think it's getting better but of course we still have a long way to go as always so um yeah but a lot of it is it's it's um it's embarrassment related for mm-hmm. sure um especially when it's coming to like you know oh sparing your family the humiliation and then you know of course when it comes to <laughs> the last one though <laughs> it's not <laughs> quite so uh roughly a quarter to a third of family annihilation cases appear to have financial problems at their root um another doctor said um often we see often what we see here is a deep sense of male shame um, mm-hmm. perpetrators of familicide are often highly repressed individuals, Websdale said. So we're talking highly, um, highly religious people, highly, you know, people who are in the public face. So a lot of times politicians, uh, who, who can't, don't feel they can act. You know what I'm saying? So the, mm-hmm. it's kind of like teachers for a second. Um, we're so, teachers are so repressed during the day and you have to keep such a tight lid on your emotions during the day so that you can stay in control of your class and not (laughs) seem like an emotional idiot who's about to literally throw everything you can at the idiot in the front row. Um, or not idiot, but the jerk in the front row that won't shut the fuck up. I actually had a teacher And then when you go out, and then, and then you go out to the bar and you fucking lose your shit Mm -hmm. and you're like, shots, 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 because you can't. You want to you want to party party with some teachers. But that's what I'm saying. You know, like we have all these politicians. They are they're all like keeping such a tight lid on it, especially Republicans. Mm -hmm. They're keeping such a tight lid on their shit. And then you find out that they're like in 100 percent, like either in the closet or they're snorting cocaine off of prostitutes butts in their hotel rooms. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's always the most repressed that are doing the craziest shit. (laughs) <laughs> I had a teacher when I was in third grade. I remember her so vividly because she also used to be the person in the big red costume. 
Big Red no. is the spirit yeah. of WKU for anyone listening yes. that's not in Bowling Green. He's our mascot. Yeah. He's um, a big red blob. <laughs> and he's adorable. <laughs> there were. He catches volleyballs in his mouth. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I remember there was a time where she threw a desk across the room because oh, she was no. so. You can't do that. We were in third grade. So oh we were like God. nine years. I had a wild time growing up. That's I, crazy. There was this kid in like my first grade class that stabbed his teacher and then got put into my class. Like it was such a big deal. Our school what got the fuck. Yeah, our school I'm got so shut glad down. I don't live in Bowling Green anymore. Oh my God. Our school got shut down for a month and we came back. And he was sitting in the desk across from me. And I told my mom yeah, about this. And she was like, oh, hell no. Why? We don't have time to get into yeah. the discipline issues in schools. <laughs> and how yeah. it's being... And how it's it's been completely reversed since everyone's learning from home. Because guess what? When mm-hmm. those kids don't have a fucking audience to perform in front of, they have no choice but to do their fucking work. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's been great. My mom is so happy right now. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Um, so perpetrators are often highly repressed individuals and they're facing potential eviction or bankruptcy and the family may be facing destitution, but Mm -hmm. appear on the surface to be respectable. So people who are faking being rich. So like, you know that they're having money problems, but they're still going shopping. They're still, you know what I mean? They're still buying all kinds of stuff. Um, I've definitely been seeing that in. Some family members um, (laughs) who will remain nameless, but I mean, it's also a coping mechanism of like, well, when you've had retail therapy your whole life, it's that's something really hard to quit. Oh, Um, yeah. Take it from me. It's very difficult. Um, Like the past two weeks that I've been in quarantine. I don't do it to appear respectable, though, but (laughs) I do it because it feels good to get new things. Yeah, I'm just like, I want to go spend money. Can I please go spend money? I just want to go get things that make me feel good. (laughs) I feel feel good right now. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I just want to go to Target. Uh, (laughs) The goal is to spare the family all these assaults to their sense of well-being and their sense of normalcy. It reflects a very distorted thinking and very strained and depressive type thinking and desperation, which then culminates in this terrible kind of act. So you've got like a trifecta there. Mm -hmm. You've got repression, you've got disruption and distorted thinking and depressive and desperation. And desperation makes people do some crazy shit. Oh, yeah. So when you've got all of that rolling around in your head and you don't feel like you can talk about it, which is ridiculous. Talk to your fucking wife. What is the wrong with you? But you know what I mean? It's it, it, you, you, you stew on that and that turns into poison. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the third kind is the kind that we hate the most. And um, <laughs> the third the third kind of family annihilator is attempting to extricate themselves from a family life that they can't tolerate. So perhaps there's an impending divorce, a threat to remove the children or an extramarital affair, but they decide that they're going to take matters into their own hands in order to presumably pursue a better existence without being shackled by the constraints of having a family to support and take care of, which is fucked up. That is straight up bullshit. And I don't want to pay child support or alimony. That's what that is. (sighs) And 
It says that this is actually the most common sort of intimate partner homicide. So intimate partner homicide is the most popular kind of murder, by the way. It's the number it's number one on the homicide charts, and this is the most common type of that kind. That's why people don't just leave and get divorced. They don't want to pay. They want to leave with all their shit and not divide it up. Mm -hmm. They just want their wife removed from the equation or spouse of whatever. uh, Because this does happen in um, uh, gay male relationships as well. They don't Mm want to pay the alimony. They don't want to pay the child support. And they get, yeah. They decide that their wife's got to bite the dust in order for them to continue and party their hardest you know what um shit like this is why i'm gonna get a fucking prenup no matter how much money i'm fucking making (laughs) big i am not getting fucked i will tell you right now that is not gonna happen to me they're not gonna catch me slipping (laughs) i mean fair but i hope you marry someone you can trust oh my god i Um, i sure as fuck hope so too but some people cannot be trusted, and you don't know that until you find out they can't be trusted. Well, that's true. That That's He's a problem. He's been through a lot this year, you guys. Okay. Um, <laughs> this year? So, um, it's, <laughs> yeah, this that's whole fair. life. 2019 was rough. Um, it's at the, it's at the moment, so this is, this is what happens, it's at the moment that they feel they are losing that control, that they have the brilliant idea that the only thing to do is kill them. The brilliant And, of course, idea. brilliant idea is in heavy, sarcastic quotes. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's a pretty serious, that's a pretty thorough breakdown, actually. This is a pretty basic concept as far as psychology goes. Um, and I wanted to keep it kind of brief because I know you have a pretty long case. And we talked about the Tiger King for a long time, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like 15 minutes. It was fine. Yeah, it was kind of a lot. <laughs> but it needed it. Yeah. It needed to be said. It deserved so, it. So. Yes, absolutely. Oh, man. All right. Well, uh, let's take a quick break, and then we're going to dive into your fascinating case. I'm so excited. Yay, me too. Oh, my God. All right. Okay. All right. Hi, everybody. We're back. Hello. I'm super drunk since I'm double Oh, my God. Stop drinking then, and so you can focus. wine and uh, fucking margarita. It's great. I'm happy about it. Um, but I hashtag have quarantine hashtag YOLO <laughs> hashtag the coronavirus I've never said YOLO. <laughs> hashtag the coronavirus is not getting my lungs. It's getting my liver. Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, that's funny. I'm almost through two boxes of wine. I day drink every day. It's a beautiful existence. And you know what? If Armageddon happens and I'm day drinking and not having to work, I'm fine with it. So Yeah, right? Me too. Like, <laughs> that sounds pretty fucking great. It, and my, sm- my my stretch mark cream smells like love and the beach. Uh, so. I saw that. That's awesome. Oh, uh, it smells so good. I, it, I put it on and I immediately feel happy. It just smells so fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that makes <laughs> right. me happy for you. Okay, so my fucking case. I Woo, a fucking case. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> I I put some serious thought into what fi- uh, family and I later I wanted to cover 
um, mm-hmm. because there were a lot that were super interesting. Um, but they really are interesting. It's I know I glossed over it a little bit, like mama, mama. This is something we've all heard of before, but every case is so different. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously they're they're motivated by the same things, but just the thought process of the people and the different the various situations that they're in even in even if it is still financial they're also specific and fascinating and it's they're some of my favorite cases just because mm-hmm. of the diversity of them it, it, it's like a it's like a paradox yeah and i'm using a lot of big words and you're really drunk but i'm sober so like it's like no, a paradox like, between I'm something able that to should be really simple it, it's something that should be really simple and straightforward but they always end up being so layered and complex and i just it, it's it's just it's fascinating. The it, psychology yeah. of it is so fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. The stories and are sad. Let me just say that. The stories are fucking heartbreaking. The, the psychology are the worst. of it is very fascinating. Yes. Um, I put a lot of thought into, the, into this, and I know that I've covered some big cases in the past when we've done true crime. Um, this one is also a big case, but it is one that I don't feel has been covered enough. Sweet. Um, so those are my favorite yeah so and honestly i hadn't heard about this one until very recently and it it also happened in 2018 Um, oh wow so it's super recent then mm -hmm, and there is still stuff coming out about this case and one of the reasons why i picked it is because on april 7th four days from when we're recording there is going to be a documentary released about this case so i thought Ooh, it would be really I'm fun. so excited yeah i thought it would be really fun to go through some of the nitty-gritty stuff of this case and um then you and i kind of book club it and next time we record we talk about it oh i'm um, so excited yeah so just to let all What's of you know ca- um i'll let you know what it's called here in a second um, i was about to say what's it called and then i was like i bet you're saving that okay yeah <laughs> I, I am saving it <laughs> because I want to talk about um, one survivor and I want to talk about the um, victims first. Um, so okay. I'm, I'm pulling this straight from the Wikipedia article, um, this, this little part right here. And then I found this fantastic article on investigation discovery that I thought covered this so well. Um, I figure we're just going to really pull heavily from that. Um, But there's going to be room for conversation. This is going to be a bit of a longer segment than I normally do. I feel like it's going to be about the length of the Golden State Killer case, but it's a really important case, and I want to do it justice. So here we go. Yeah. Um, So... Even though you're (laughs) shit-faced. I'm I'm a little shit-faced. It's a very dark case. But we're going to get through it together. <laughs> we're all going to hold hands metaphorically because social distancing. Yes. And Coom- <laughs> we're going to kumbaya this bitch. All right. I love so, it. <laughs> so um, <laughs> what I want to start out by saying is that this is a familial homicide. It was a murder-suicide back in 2018. And it was done by a lesbian couple. Whoa. Yes lesbian bernie sanders supporting couple and wow oh my god we're all supporting bernie right now like let's not yeah (laughs) let's not tarnish bernie with this (laughs) i i don't want to tarnish anything but i just want to say this can happen in any dynamic yeah any fucking dynamic 
That's um, I, I almost didn't want to do this one because of that, but then I was like, that's not fair reporting. No, that's not a way. That's not fair reporting. No. <laughs> so... We're covering it. And honestly, their political affiliations have nothing to do with it. Because like you said, this can happen in any dynamic. Mm-hmm. And I think Anyone that this... Anyone can fall victim to this. Yeah. I think this is, that this was very much motivated by shame. Um, no. So I I really want to... Let's just dive in. So the, yeah. the survivor... Say, most of them are shame related. So yeah. that makes sense. So, first I'm going to talk about the survivor. I'm not going to give her name because that's not what I'm here to do. Um, If anyone is going to be coming up to her and asking her questions, I don't want that to be because we talked about her on here. Um, Oh, no. Leave everybody the fuck alone. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So Don't talk to people. (laughs) What are you doing? (laughs) Leave people alone. Leave people alone. (laughs) Talk to your loved ones and that's it. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god it's not the time to make new friends yeah or new enemies <laughs> so prior it's to not the time listen to our governor <laughs> <laughs> prior to adopting their six children jennifer and sarah hart were foster parents Jeez. to a 15 year old girl okay and I, let me just say i think that this is the shittiest thing that happened and people died. Like, I'm just, I'm yeah. going to put this out there. This was the shittiest thing to happen to anyone. A week prior to when the other children were due to arrive, the hearts dropped the 15-year-old girl off at a therapist appointment, and the therapist informed her that the hearts would not be coming back to get her, saying the hearts were just not a good fit. <gasps> that oh, is no. that is the She's worst not a puppy no that is the worst thing i've ever heard in my life and people died um, like did did let me ask this though did she survive this whole thing oh uh, she she wasn't involved because they got rid of right, her so there that's a good thing there's yeah. the silver lining there is a silver lining that sucks but you, that was you, awful oh god oh my god that's terrible yeah so people suck yeah so (laughs) that was our survivor if she chooses to be in the documentary you'll find out who she is then i'm not gonna Mm -hmm. go into who she is because that's not my place definitely don't reveal her identity leave her the fuck alone yeah poor sweet innocent child oh my goodness yeah poor sweet she's a minor so she probably won't be in it to be honest with you well she was 15 18 she was 15 back in like 2006 so she she okay i thought this happened i thought that this also happened in 2018 so that's my bad okay no it's okay um it's a very setting up the fact that these were shitty people yeah (laughs) (laughs) yes okay (laughs) it is a very convoluted case um it takes place over many years but the final act took place in 2018 um and it is let's go it's still being investigated and it's wow. very hard to bring people to justice if they're dead. So, fuck both of these True. bitches. Um, I'm just going to say that real quick. Both of them can go straight to hell. Um, oh, no. But I'm going to talk about the victims here. Okay. So, we have Abigail, Hannah Jean, who was born in 2002, and Marcus Hart were adopted from Colorado County, Texas. The placement came on March 4th, 2006. 
The children's biological parents had their parental rights canceled by a court in Harris County, Texas in August, and the formal adoption came in September. In June 2008, they adopted three additional children, Sierra Maja, Devante Jordan, and Jeremiah Hart. Devante, Jeremiah, and Sierra were born in 2002, 2004, and 2005, respectively, and originated from oh, Houston. Mm-hmm. And I am going to put in real quick um, the parents who were um, Jennifer and Sarah Hart. They were both white. All of these adopted children were African-American. Oh. And these women were getting a substantial amount of money from Texas for the amount of kids that they were taking in, which... That they were fostering. mm -hmm. Yeah. The the, the system's very broken. Yeah. But also, um, we can all just agree that African-American babies are the cutest babies. Yes, they are. (laughs) They're the fucking cutest (laughs) ever. (laughs) And... uh, Hands down. (laughs) And um, I do want to say real quick about the foster care system system here in America. It's very broken. Um, there is a lot of reform that needs to happen. Um, mm-hmm. I like I personally know a lot of kids that were fostered um, that were meal tickets Me for their families. Me too. And that is a serious problem. And that is another thing I want to bring to light by doing this case. There's a lot in this that I think is a very important. And that's. It's also important to say that there are some wonderful people who are fostering kids. Exactly, yes. A lot of times, because the system is so broken, they are struggling to pull kids out of a tug-of-war situation with unfit parents Mm -hmm. and grandparents who see their own children as meal tickets. Mm -hmm. And so they're trying to pull them out and give them an actual childhood and a real life where they're safe and not, you know, sitting in a piles of literal piles of their own shit because they haven't had their diaper changed in two days Mm -hmm. and shit like that is happening as well. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's not just one way that it's hurting people. It's not just foster parents taking advantage of the kids it's also literal like actual biological parents taking advantage of the kids and people trying to rescue them from the situation that are exactly exactly it's getting dragged out and out and out and it's just it's it's a failing it's a failing on our part Mm -hmm. and i will just say that like i don't want to completely blame social workers for this because they are very much overworked and underpaid Yes. Um, there are not enough social workers for the issues that are happening here in America. And that's another part failing of the system that they're mm-hmm. overworked and underpaid. It's not a desirable position for people to take. Mm-hmm. Um, so when it's an undervalued position, people don't see value in, in taking that job. Exactly. Exactly. A lot of the, the places are underfunded as well, so they can't hire the people that they need. It's really upsetting. It's mm-hmm. just, it's a failure. It's a failure. It is. And it's um, a big one. I will say it's it's a very big problem when... Um, and when people profit from crime because we have fucking for-profit prisons, it's never mm-hmm. going to get fucking fixed. No. So, anyway. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh, all of this is super important. It's very upsetting. Um, and, and there are, there are so well, many we're failings. We're going to do future episodes on this kind of yeah. stuff. But there, yeah. there is a new docu-series on Netflix called The Trials of Gabriel Hernandez. And it's about yes. this eight-year-old boy who, um, he somehow was, like, I think he was taken away from the foster care system 
or from his uncles or something and he got he somehow got put back in with his mother and his stepfather and cps was in and out of his house all the time and he somehow fucking died because no one was advocating for him so yeah, i remember seeing that preview and there's no way i can watch that i i do want to watch it for an episode that we're actually doing in this 10 um and I think that I'm going to. Good. I've seen so much of that shit. We had to do child abuse training and all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff when I was a teacher and when I worked in child care. And I oh, saw yeah. too much of it. Oh, yeah. I, and I don't blame I, I you know, for not. I've seen how that sausage is made. Like, I don't need to watch that series. I, I support it. And I support what they're, the awareness that they're bringing. But mm-hmm. there's plenty of awareness in this house. <laughs> <laughs> that's why Josh and I want to be foster parents really badly. And that's fair and i i think i'm gonna watch it just because i don't know as much as i'd like to know um i yeah. know from the adult protective services how little is put into that i don't know much about the child protective services yeah yeah um and i know it's a totally different ball game um especially when there are children involved but it's a complicated issue too it's not it's definitely not something that can be solved with a simple straight line Mm -hmm. there are a lot of things that have to be considered and a lot of variables so that people who are doing who are doing an okay who are doing as good a job as they possibly can Mm -hmm. don't get thrown under the bus as well like it's there's a lot of provisions there's a lot of variables there's a lot of things that have to be considered and so it's important Mm -hmm. you know it's and just imp- it's important that we're aware of it and it's important to pay really close attention to the language people use when they talk about it especially in politics mm-hmm. to make sure that they're one not saying anything because that happens a lot mm-hmm. or number two trying to go to black and white with it and then those of us who are doing the best we can end up being punished for stupid petty things that are no one's business you know what i'm saying like it's just not it's a very it's a very delicate very delicate issue and i will just um insert right here if you are in the state of kentucky if you see something you are obligated to say something it doesn't matter who you are you are obligated to report if you see any abuse or mistreatment of a child um i I have a friend who is a social worker. Um, I've, like, I've seen her education because I have revised her papers. I've Mm -hmm. revised stuff that she's turned in. I've seen all of her presentations. Um, But I don't know if it's true of every other state, but if you see something, you are 100% obligated to say something, or you are also at fault and you can also be charged. Yeah, you're 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 obligated by law. I had to do mm-hmm. it when I was a teacher. It was fucking terrifying. Yeah, because you also again you don't know if they're kidding. You mm-hmm. don't know if you you don't know who you might be dragging through the mud through for something that's not even tr- possibly not even true. But then mm-hmm. there's the other side of the coin of what if it is true? Yeah, you have to make sure. Unfortunately, that's where we are. So, yeah. all right, let's and keep going. Um. Oh, sorry, but (laughs) but just like I saw something and I had to report it, and like I of course I don't know what came of it, but it it's a scary thing to do. 
it's so terrifying. I had a kid that wrote some um, some stuff into into a monologue, and then he got up and said it was all true. So I had to report it. Oh god! And I was so scared. I was like having a panic attack in the guidance counselor's office, just like, oh my god. Oh. <laughs> and she was like, it's okay. I know. And I was like, you've got to hold my hand. I'm sorry. I'm so scared. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Oh, God. All right. So, back to this horrible story. Um, Devante, Jeremiah, and Sierra, who I just talked about, um, their biological mother lost custody as she had substance abuse problems with crack cocaine. Mm. And this is going to come up again later. It's really important that we remember that. Uh, So, remember that some of these children were born in homes where there was a lot of drug abuse going on. Was Um, she using while she was pregnant? Is it safe to assume that? It's safe to assume that. I don't know for sure. We but don't it know is, that for a fact, though. Yeah, but it is. But we could probably assume that that yeah. wasn't something that she put to the side when she was pregnant. Yeah. And crack yeah. isn't something you just give up cold turkey. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> so. So, um, Devante, Jeremiah, and Sierra each had a different biological father. Um, they were given to an aunt under the condition that they have no contact with their biological mother, but the aunt allowed the mm. biological mother to babysit the children, and a caseworker observed it, observed this, therefore, so she lost, it. She lost mm-hmm. custody. Uh, she attempted well, to... Well, that sucks. Yeah. She attempted to obtain permanent custody of the children, but the courts prevented her from doing so, which... Because I get. you're already fucked up, honey. Yeah. Uh, like, I understand you that. You violated the provision. You mm-hmm. have to follow the guidelines. Yep. Which sucks. It's hard when it's family that you have to keep them away from. But Oh, yeah. So. I mean, shit. Yeah. <laughs> and, and just another little thing that I want to point out. So, the parents that adopted all these kids. Uh, Jennifer worked miscellaneous jobs until she became a stay-at-home mother in 2006. While Sarah mm-hmm. worked as a manager at a Herberger shop in Alexandria and later at a Coles in Hazel Dell, Washington. The Hearts received okay. funds Those from the... St- good paying jobs. Mm-hmm. The Hearts received funds from the state of Texas covering their children. Almost 50% of the family income was made up of Texas funding. Whoa! Yeah. I, I think another right. motivator behind this was money. Um... Mm. Well, I mean, we don't necessarily know that, but it's probably safe to assume. Yeah. Um, And I will say that there was... The fact that one of them's a stay-at-home mom, though, I don't know. Well... If you're a manager of Kohl's, you can make some decent money. Yeah. (laughs) Of course, there are a lot of them, so I don't know. But um, as I was reading through some of the articles on this, um, there were a lot of coworkers who were saying, yeah, they were saying really shitty things about their kids. Like, <gasps> Oh, no. Okay. Um, okay. I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> like, a lot of their coworkers were like, well, if I'd known, or, well, they said to their coworkers, if I'd known having a big family was a crime, I wouldn't have ad- adopted any of them, you know. <gasps> what? Yeah. It was a crime. Yeah. Because... Uh, one, six children is a lot of children to take on. Yeah. And if you're under not... Under the best of circumstances. Yeah. If you're not ready to handle that, you don't need six children. Uh, like, I don't feel like anybody needs six children. <laughs> yeah. Um, ever? No. <laughs> but <laughs> that, that sounds awful. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, 
and like there were other horrible things that were said, and I'm sure we're gonna get into it here in a minute. But it mm-hmm. was just it was crazy the amount of shit talk these two ladies said about their kids. Oh, um, that's awful. It broke my heart, but um, and they've got they've been through trauma too because they're adopted. Like that's yeah. a trauma that they're working through. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. So I I do want to say a little bit about the documentary before we fully immerse ourselves into the case. So those were the victims of the crime. Now we're going to talk a little bit about the documentary. So a couple who drove off a Mendocino Coast Cliff with their six children are the focus of a new documentary that is being released April 7th. Oh! So the documentary is called A Thread of Deceit. And Spoiler it, alert. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's terrible. Yeah. Oh, my it, God. Don't worry. It gets worse. Yay. Um, <laughs> a thread I of, hate it. <laughs> a thread of deceit <laughs> revisits the lives and deaths of Washington residents Jen and Sarah Hartman and their six adopted children. The couple drove the family's SUV off of a steep cliff of North north of Fort Bragg in 2018, and a jury ruled that the crash was a murder-suicide in 2019. Wow. The documentary examines the family's... I may have heard about this. You may have. I'm kind of surprised that I didn't know about it before. There's been a couple instances of people driving off cliffs with their significant other in the car, though, so... Mm -hmm. Um, the documentary examines the family's history of child abuse and also includes interviews with family and friends who initially defended the couple. It was important for us oh, to wow. go into the documentary unbiased and let the story tell itself in any way that it took form, producer Rachel Morgan to- told E! News. I felt it crucial to allow the friends who were silenced by harassment to be able to speak their point of view. Um, wow. Yeah. I mean, yeah, good for you. Yes. So I'm really What's excited. It uh, a thread of deceit. Okay. Um, I'm really Adding excited. Adding that to my queue. Yes. Is it out right now? It's not out right now. It comes out April 7th. Um, oh, okay. So like in by four the days. time this airs, hang on. Okay, so by the time this is coming out next week, right? Mm-hmm. So it'll okay, be. So by the time this airs, it'll be coming out tomorrow. Yeah. So this will be airing on April 6th, so it'll be coming out tomorrow, so everybody go watch it. Yeah. Yes, I. it doesn't tell me where it's going to be. I'm assuming it's going to be Netflix or Hulu or, like, one of them. Oh, it doesn't know. say it's a Netflix one? Mm-mm. Well, damn it. I thought you yeah. said it was a Netflix special. Oh, no. Psh, no, I'm Lies. sorry. <laughs> um, it's <laughs> I'm going to be. It. It's going to be streaming on something, but I don't know what. So, um, Thread I, of Deceit, you said it was called? Mm-hmm. Okay. So Continue. I, I'm gonna go- I'm gonna Google it. You're good. So I pulled from investigationdiscovery.com uh, from Crime Feed, and this is called "Edge of the Cliff: How an American Dream Turned into a Nightmare for a Model Family." This was published on December 28, 2018, and it's by Matt Gilligan. So, um, goodness, just looking at these kids breaks my heart. Um. On Tuesday, March 26, 2018, a German tourist stumbled upon a shocking scene in California's Scenic Highway 1 in Mendocino County, 200 miles north of San Francisco. 
The picturesque beauty of the jagged rocky cliffs and the dramatic drops to the Pacific Ocean are typically taken with wonder by tourists and locals alike, but on this day, a different scene played out. The tourists noticed a GMC Yukon crashed upside down on the rocks below a steep 100-foot cliff. Mm. The authorities were alerted and rescue workers rappelled down the rocks. Inside the SUV, the dead bodies of Jennifer and Sarah Hart, a married couple, both 38 years old, were discovered. Nearby, three of their adopted children, Marcus, who was 19, Jeremiah, who was 14, and Abigail, who was also 14, were found dead. The Hart's three remaining children, Devante, 15, Hannah, 16, and Sierra, 12, were missing from the wreckage. FYI, mm-hmm. I found a picture of them in my little Googles, and they are the cutest kids. Aren't they? They're so cute. They look so happy in this little picture of them and their moms, and it's really sad. And the thing, like, the thing that is bone-chilling about that picture is that, like, friends and family or and people around that when that picture was taken said these kids were able to look so happy for the camera and then once it was turned off they were lifeless oh that's so upsetting yeah by the way so just to interject real fast um Mm -hmm. it says that it'll be available on all digital platforms okay on april 7th awesome i don't i I'm going to assume that that means Netflix and Hulu and Prime and all of the all the platforms. But, I mean, of course, that's unclear. Mm-hmm. I just want to be sure we give people accurate information. It does say all digital platforms, though. So, it sounds... Okay. I mean, everything's getting released digitally right now because mm-hmm. it has to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but it even looks like you could watch it on YouTube. Like, honestly, Oh, really? So. Okay. Yeah. So, it should be well, accessible. You can, at least, you can watch the trailer, at least, on YouTube. Yeah, I watched sure. the trailer, and I just, I, like, I knew that I had to do this case. Yeah. Um. Sweet. Okay. So, friends and acquaintances <clears throat> of the Hart family were initially astonished at the deaths. Jen and Sarah Hart were regarded by all who knew them as caring and devoted parents who had adopted two sets of three black siblings and dedicated their lives to raising the six children in a socially conscious atmosphere that focused on so love and acceptance. they were brothers and sisters, too, so that's mm-hmm. amazing that they weren't going to split them up because that happens. Yeah. <clears throat> so... Um, the thing that's really sad about this, and I might jump back to the Wikipedia article because it kind of goes into detail. Um, so, once authorities began to dig into Jen and Sarah Hart's past, however, they pieced together a decade-long tale of abuse and neglect that ended tragically on a remote stretch of highway, more than 500 miles from the Hart homestead in Washington State. Oh my god, that's crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. So... 500 Um, miles jesus mm -hmm. apparently they'd always wanted to visit this part of california and i guess that's just where they decided their last vacation was gonna be oh my god that's so fucked up yeah (laughs) it's dark (laughs) yep uh you're welcome (laughs) Uh Uh, thanks (laughs) jen and sarah hart thank you for the nightmares yeah you're welcome you're welcome uh, <laughs> Jen and Sarah Hart's romance began nearly 20 years earlier at Northern State University in Aberdeen, South Dakota. The women both attended school there where they met and fell in love. 
For years, Jen and Sarah told people they were friends or roommates until they eventually decided to come out as lesbians. When they did reveal their relationship, Jen later said they lost friends and that the Midwestern mindset was relentlessly unforgiving and unaccepting. When was this? Um, That would have been... Early 2000s, I'm guessing. Yeah, early 2000s. Yeah, that makes sense. It does, but I also don't feel bad for them. Because they're well, horrible. sure, but we can feel bad for their <laughs> fucking asshole, you know. Yeah. You don't need to go through that. That yeah. probably didn't help. No. <laughs> no, it didn't. I just, I have a no, very... No, I mean, they're murderers, but yeah. <laughs> I'm just clarifying that it makes sense for yeah. the historical context. We've come a long way in acceptance. and Oh, yeah. We have. Yeah. Especially in the past few years. It's been like, really cool. Sorry, years. just to lighten the mood for a second. Like, <laughs> I've been binging John Oliver, and it's been really cool because I went back to season one, and it's been really cool to watch gay marriage become legal at the federal level. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, reliving all this cool shit that happened. <laughs> I'm so it's happy good, that you're watching him now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm learning a lot. <laughs> so perhaps this was the original seed planted in Jen and Sarah's heads and made them feel they were outsiders for the rest of their lives. I mean, like, that's what happens. We've mm-hmm. talked about that before with other serial killers that mm-hmm. like sexual repression and rejection like that and rejection of the essence of who you are is fucking hard to come back from. It is. I mean, that's why we have to preach acceptance. Mm-hmm. You got to get over yourself. It's not for you to judge. Exactly. Um, the Though couple- I can see how people would be mad that they were lied to for like, you know, however long they were dating without <laughs> telling anybody. Yeah. I would be kind of pissed too. <laughs> like, wow, thanks for not trusting me. You guys suck. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I- I also could understand being scared to oh, no. tell someone yeah. that. But, like, yeah, totally. I also get I'm it. I'm just making a joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to make a joke. <laughs> this is incredibly dark. <coughs> and Easy I'm there, smoker. Dying from the Rona. Um. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Go get yourself tested. Oh, wait, you can't. <laughs> oh, wait, I can't. Um... <laughs> Uh, okay, so the couple moved to Minnesota and both worked at the same department store. Jen was recognized as the dominant person in the relationship, a woman with a big personality who liked to be in control and wasn't afraid to let her voice be heard. Sarah was seen as sensitive and passive. In 2004... Nothing wrong with that. No. That's the dynamic of a lot of relationships. Yeah. (laughs) In 2004, the couple took in a 15-year-old foster daughter who they complained about openly to co-workers. Like I said earlier. The girl, now in her late... So this was the first girl that they took in, Mm -hmm. I guess? Yeah. Oh, no. The girl, now in her late 20s, remembers how Jen and Sarah... Oh, why? Why? Sorry, I'm getting punched. Oh, you're okay. Continue. (laughs) (laughs) There's a very tiny fist just punching me okay oh <laughs> uh remembers how I have jen- a kickboxer in my uterus <laughs> remembers how jen and sarah told her of their plans to adopt three more children and how she could be a big sister to them but one day inexplicably the hearts dropped their foster daughter off at a therapist's office and never returned the girl never heard from jen or sarah again that's so fucking terrible right I hope she, I hope she was okay. Like, I, 
I uh, would like to hear from her just to at least know that she's okay. Yeah, and at least she's oh not gosh. fucking dead. Like, Oh, that's so terrible. It, also, not cool for the therapist. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> the therapist is just like, I just wanted to go home I'm and drink a little just bit. Just trying to help you through your issue, and <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm not equipped to help you go anywhere. Uh, I guess I'll <laughs> drop you off at CS... At, uh, child services like i i, I don't <laughs> it's a thousand percent not in my job description oh my god yeah this only gets so worse selfish. um <sighs> clearly <laughs> and i'm laughing because i'm so uncomfortable Oh, it's so bad. Um, in 2006, the couple took in three siblings from foster care in Texas. And the first three were Marcus, Hannah, and Abigail. At the time, they were seven, four, and two years old, respectively. Oh, babies. Two years later, in 2008, the Hearts took in three more siblings from Texas. Devonte, who was five, Jeremiah, who was four, and Sierra, who was three. The Hart tribe was now complete, and they looked like the model of a progressive 21st century family. Two mm-hmm. white lesbian mothers and six adopted black children. Uh, Sarah worked while Jen stayed home to raise the kids, but it didn't take long for warning signs to appear. While still living oh, in no. Minnesota in September 2008, their daughter Hannah went to school with bruising on her arm. When asked oh by a God. teacher about the marks, the little girl said that her parents whipped her with a belt. No charges were filed, but the Hearts took all six of their children out of school for nearly a year before re-enrolling them the following fall. What? Mm-hmm. Did they homeschool them? You can't do that. I guess they at least pretended to. Oh, no. And no- all right, keep going. Yeah. In November 2010... <laughs> Teachers noticed signs of abuse on six-year-old Abigail Hart and alerted authorities. The girl told investigators Good. Good that... Good for teachers. Yes. <laughs> the girl told investigators that her mother, Jen, had held her head under cold water and had punched her because they believed she had stolen a penny they found on what? her. They thought that she, she... St- stole a penny, a penny from them. She's a child. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I can't. Police interviewed uh, the other Hart children, who admitted that they were often spanked, denied food, and grounded. When Jen and Sarah were interviewed... Okay, spanked and grounded, yes. Not denied food. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. When Jen and Sarah... Unless you're being a bitch because you don't like broccoli and you're, like, refusing and being a jerk. Then, yeah, yeah, you're going to bed hungry because this is what I made and this is what we're having. (laughs) (laughs) You have the option to eat or not eat. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I made it and I put it in front of you. If you don't want it, you can go to bed. <laughs> Sarah took the blame for striking... Mommy's tired! <laughs> Sarah took the blame for striking Abigail and was convicted of misdemeanor domestic assault and sentenced to probation and one year of community oh service. God. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. It was at this time that Jen and Sarah decided to pull their kids out of school for good. The six heart children would now be totally isolated from outside influences no! and anyone who could perhaps notice the abuse they were subjected yes! to. Yes! That's what I'm saying. Like, they're pulling them away from their protectors. That's terrible! Mm-hmm. Oh, no! 
Oh, those poor teachers. I'm sure they were freaking the fuck out. Oh, yeah. And there's nothing they could do. No. Nothing. And to be fair, Child Protect uh, CPS is incredibly crippled in situations like that, too. Mm Mm-hmm. Because the laws are just not what they should be. And, I mean, they've gone through legal adoption. It's not like they can just take them. I mean, it's... I don't know if things have changed since this, but it, it... I don't know. I feel like things may have gotten a little bit stricter, but it's... This is now repetitive. Mm-hmm. Repeated abuse. Oh, my goodness. But there's probably not evidence. Oh, it's so sad. It's so terrible. There's probably not enough. Because also kids say stuff. You know, there's also, also like, asshole kids. Mm-hmm. Like the women who fake rape. Like, you know, it's... It, it, throw, it seeds doubt, and then you don't know always what to believe and what's it just it throw it weakens it it can weaken laws and it can weaken Mm -hmm. the things that are protecting people who are in real danger it's oh man oh my goodness sorry i'm having to process this a lot no (laughs) no it's okay oh these poor children Um, and those poor teachers the kids weren't the only victims i promise you yeah um those those teachers think about those kids every single day i promise oh yeah uh, I'm oh. I'm just kind of going back to the Wikipedia article for a second because it really details all the abuse allegations. Because um, oh. there was abuse in Minnesota, there was abuse in Oregon, and then there was abuse in Washington. So, um, in 2008... Oh, I, oh God. Okay. So, I, I just want to go back Can you to, summarize it? Yeah, I want to go back. Can you summarize it? Don't don't give me all don't give all the gory details. This like, is a lot. I, I but, won't give all the gory details, but um I know that in Minnesota one of the kids said that she hadn't eaten all day and one of the parents said she's playing the food card, just give her water. Which is not what? great. No. I actually um, used to keep food in my classroom in case kids were hungry. Yeah. For that I, exact that exact reason. Yeah. Be it abuse or be it that their parents couldn't afford food. Of course, that's not abuse. But mm-hmm. if you're hungry, you there's Nutrigrain bars in my in my desk and Easy Mac and yeah, like yeah, you don't need to go hungry. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I know how I am when I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, like when I was I, I was in college and I had a teacher give me a Rice Krispie treat because I like I was literally starving because I didn't have yeah. time to go home between classes and I could not sit mm-hmm. and focus and that wasn't like me. Oh and yeah, he, for sure. That's yeah. And he the was other like, reason just, I kept food. <laughs> just eat this and try to do your work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because if you if you can't focus at all when you're hungry like that, mm-hmm. there's no way. So that's why I always had to keep food and I had a microwave so you could make your Easy Mac and yeah. go to your seat. Yeah. Um. But, like, in Oregon, kind of the same issues were coming up. Like, they noticed that the kids were always hungry. Um, the, they were poorly fed. They could not wish each other happy birthday. Could not laugh at the dinner table. Um, and oh, God. Then we're going to... hell? Yeah, it was crazy shit. But um, going back to the investigation discovery... Um, article they so it was emotional abuse as well as physical abuse which mm-hmm. generally they go hand in hand but oh my god those poor babies yep so they decided to pack up and move to oregon 
And they attended many music festivals as a family and became well-known members of the nationwide festival community. So they're, again, they're starting over. Mm-hmm. These multi-day gatherings focused on togetherness, dance, yoga, and music on a socially conscious atmosphere. The heart... The Hart children were often seen dancing and singing at these events, and attendees looked on with smiles at the large, seemingly enlightened and happy family. Mm. Um, and they've got really cute pictures of the kids here. So, um, over the years... true. Oh my goodness, that's so upsetting. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just goes to show that you have no idea what's going on. Mm-hmm. Before you start coveting someone else's life. I mean, you have no idea. Oh, Yeah. So, it sounds kind of like Jen Hart kind of turned into an influencer. Um, She really portrayed the family as socially conscious and, most importantly, happy and healthy. like on social media? Yeah. Okay. Um, A tribe that... Yeah, that's why it's important to take social media with a grain of salt, too. You see people and you're envious of their quote-unquote perfect life and then they drive off a cliff. So... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, they seemed to be a tribe that wouldn't be broken apart by an uncaring world filled with prejudice. Her social media posts were filled with photos and videos of the family on on cross-country adventures and at the various festivals they attended. Um, Sorry. One person... Oh my god, sorry. Just real fast on the social media thing. Like, Mm -hmm. there's some Instagram account, and I, I don't know what the handle is. I'm really sorry. Um, but there's an Instagram account that I've heard mentioned where it's, like, pictures of couples, like, mm-hmm. the really cute pictures of couples that you see. And people have, like, this guy has, like, um, gotten, like, obtained those pictures. And then he writes a caption that's, like, he hasn't he hasn't made her come in two years. Or, oh, like, my God. <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> that's right beautiful. This was taken. Right before this was taken, he she told him that he ha- she hates his mom, or you know what I mean. Like it's just <laughs> it's something to just like shatter the shatter the illusion. Oh God, it's really funny. Of course, they're and it's all made up and it's all in 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 jest. But oh, I love it. Yeah, it just that's what it made me think of just now, and I needed some levity because it sucks. <laughs> it does suck, but it's so fascinating. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't, like, I'm not meaning to make light of this at all, but it is just, holy shit, you know? They were really image-obsessed, clearly. I mean, like, that, and this goes hand, this goes right along with all of the stuff that I said. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But, like in Minnesota, some people saw through the facade and alerted the authorities. One person who notified the Oregon Department of Human Services in 2013 said, The kids pose and are made to look like one big happy family, but after the photo event, they go back to looking lifeless. Others noted, how so the, mm-hmm. others noted how the children looked underfed and small for their ages. Another tipster told authorities that the kids acted like trained robots and they appeared to be scared to death of Jen. Um, Ooh. A friend, That's not great. Nope. A friend whom the family stayed with in California told investigators that Jen ran the family like a boat, a boot camp and that true kindness, love, and respect for the kids was largely absent. So she was uh, Captain Von Trapp. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Basically. The, uh... <laughs> <laughs> he made them march and respond to whistle calls. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I need to 
watch The Sound of Music again. I fucking love that movie. Uh, they, just, they just needed Julie Andrews to show up and teach them to sing. Oh, God. <laughs> Get me the nuns. Get me the fucking nuns. Get the, we need a nun. Oh. Um. After receiving numerous complaints, child welfare authorities paid the hearts a visit in August 2013 to interview the kids and their mothers. Their responses from the six heart children were nearly all the same, and they stressed that there was no abuse in the home and that they were grateful for their solu- for their situation, which sounds largely rehearsed. Mm. That's, um, yeah. <laughs> kids don't talk like that. No. <laughs> One investigator noted that the children showed little emotion or animation. Jen Hart argued that many of the issues the family faced were due to outsiders not understanding the Hart family's lifestyle. Officials in Oregon couldn't find any concrete evidence of abuse or neglect, and the case was closed. And a strange mm. development... Because they figured out how to, um, how to hide it now. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so sad. Oh, yeah. So... And something that I think everybody's going to recognize when you hear this part. uh, One of the Hart children became nationally recognized in December 2014 after a photograph of him at a Black Lives Matter protest in Portland went went viral. In the photo, Devante, with tears streaming down his face, embraced a white police officer who was at the protest to keep the peace. The photo was shared countless times as people across the country used it as an example of unity after a racially... Wow, fuck, I can't read. After a racially (laughs) charged shooting caused riots and... All that alcohol catching up to you? It is. (laughs) Fuck. Um, Oh, God. Um, So, after a racially charged shooting caused riots in Ferguson, Missouri and sparked a national debate on police violence. So, if you... Fucking Ferguson, Missouri, man. Mm Mm-hmm. Woo! Talk about a fucked up place. Oh, yeah. Um, Except for Mississippi, who has the Confederate flag as part of their state flag. God. Jesus Christ, guys. Um, but one thing that made me really happy um, is that the officer who was posing with him for this photo that went super viral, and I remember seeing this photo mm-hmm. everywhere, Um he said, the tragic news about Devontae and his family deeply saddens me. The short interaction with Devontae reinforced my love, passion, and duty in providing service to my community. And that was from... Aww. See, that's what I'm saying. The that- kids were not the only victims. There were so many people. Oh, no. That was from Sergeant Brett Barnum. This um, is, like, what I'm always saying when we talk about this, that we're all a universe of people, like the Mm -hmm. the ripple effect of what would happen if someone lost one of us is just so more, much more far reaching than we're quite capable of, of knowing it's, Oh my God. And then something super fascinating happened. So you remember okay. how Jen was really all about being on social media, getting attention, all this other shit? Mm-hmm. Overnight, television shows wanted to have Devonte as a guest, but Jen refused and argued she wanted to protect her son's privacy. Nope. It's because she didn't want him to talk. Nope. Jen, always conscious of her family's social media presence, decided to take a hiatus from online forums for six months. 
Oh, you're so brave. I'm taking a break from social media to focus on my family. <laughs> I, I'm always suspicious of that. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I gave it up for Lent one year, and I was just right back the fuck on it, <laughs> like, as soon yeah, as it's... Lent was over. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um. So... Oh, okay. So in the spring of 2017, Jen was back on social media. She told her followers, this year slammed us hard. The Hart family had relocated to rural Woodland, Washington because of the allegations of child abuse that they didn't want catching up. So they moved again. Mm -hmm. Yep. Their next door neighbors, Bruce and Dana DeClob, noticed that the six Hart children rarely left the house and that the blinds were usually drawn. And CBS News. I will News, say this, though. Mm-hmm. I will say this, though. Mm-hmm. Most of the time with men, the relocation thing is not a thing that happens. Yeah. The starting over is when the allegations come up and the possibility for public humiliation becomes a thing, mm-hmm. they kill everyone and cut and run. Yeah. Or kill everyone and kill themselves. There's there's no relocation here. So the that is very female, mm-hmm. I feel like, of like murder isn't my first go-to like that Mm -hmm. that's the difference there in the female track of it but i think it's interesting because they're they're going other places to start over again yeah but the problem is that they're on social media and so they're not really starting over (laughs) because everyone is watching nope (laughs) especially when you've gotten that you've gone viral it is very hard Mm -hmm. to come back to a quiet life after that Oh, Especially, yeah, you sure. know, if you're wanting to abuse your children. Oh, my god! You can't do it so openly anymore because everyone is was, looking at you. I don't understand why they were doing that. I don't understand a it either. A power complex of some kind, I guess. Well, I'm trying I, to... I think that we're going to get into it here in a second. Okay. In August 2017, at 1.30 in the morning, Hannah Hart showed up at the DeKalb's door, frantic and asking for protection. Bruce and Dana noticed that the young girl was missing her two front teeth. She told them that... Oh, God! She told them that she had jumped from a second-story window in her house and ran next door. She also said she wanted her neighbors to hide her and exclaimed, Don't make me go back. They're racist and they abuse us. Oh, my God! Soon after, Jen Hart showed up at their front door and took her daughter back home. What? Mm Mm-hmm. The next morning, all eight members... They didn't even call anybody? Nope. Well, they didn't yet. Okay, that's fucked. They did not... That's fucked. They did not yet. Um, the next morning... It's when you call the police, just so everyone knows. (laughs) You call the police and you lock the door. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The next morning, all eight members of the Hart family went to the... Uh, went to Dana's house and explained... And Jen explained to them that the kids were drug babies, which is why they acted out sometimes. She also said oh, that no. Hannah's birth mother was bipolar and that her front teeth had been knocked out when she accidentally fell. Uh, she did not accidentally fall. Yeah, that fall. happens all the time. Every time I fall, I lose a tooth. Mm-hmm. Um, when... <laughs> when Dana asked to speak to Hannah alone, Jen replied, We do everything as a family. Hannah then handed the um, Dana and her husband a note uh, apologizing for her actions the previous night and saying she lied and was <gasps> trying to get attention. 
No. Dana told her father about the bizarre encounter, and he reported Jen and Sarah Hart to the authorities. No follow-up action was taken. No! Several months later, in March 2018, Devontae Hart approached Bruce while he was working on his truck in front of his house. The 15-year-old boy asked um, Bruce if he could have something to eat and nervously asked him not to tell his parents. Oh, my God. Bruce gave the boy food, and then this happened a few more times. Devontae then gave his neighbor a wish list of food and asked him to leave the items in a box by a fence where his parents wouldn't notice. After several visits from Devontae, they decided that DeKalb's decided to alert authorities again. On March 23rd, 2018, Dana called CPS. A CPS See, worker... here's the thing, though. Even if they can't take any action, a report gets filed. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. So even if no action gets taken place, there's a record of this, of people calling in and people doing the right thing and people being conscious of this. And then they look back on the file and they're like, oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. It's like reporting when packages get stolen and shit like that. They have to know. There has to be a record. They're probably not going to find your package. But, but they have to know. But at least they that know. the file gets started. Yeah. Yeah. So a CPS, oh my God. a CPS worker visited the Hart house and after no one answered the door, left their car in the door. The, oh no! The following day, Saturday, March 24th, uh, the neighbors noticed that the GMC Yukon usually parked next door was gone. Sarah Hart had texted her co-workers at 3 a.m. and told them she was too sick to come to work. No one knew it then, but the Hearts, perhaps fearing that authorities would uncover abuse and neglect, decided to once again leave their home as they had in Minnesota and Oregon. As the eight members of the Hart family drove south along Highway 1, there would be no stopping for group photos or lengthy Facebook posts about the many joys of family life. Instead of looking for a new town and a new home to settle in, the Hart tribe was headed for a different, sinister destination. The last sighting of any of the members of the Hart family alive was at a Safeway grocery store in oh, Fort Bragg, I'm California. I'm so pissed that they're all dead because I want to know what conversation happened in that bedroom that night between those two women. Oh, yeah. I want to know if this was a consensual thing between the two of them or if this is something that Jen decided. Well, we're about to kind of talk about it. Okay. Um... So the, this is so crazy. Mm-hmm. It it just it keeps going. Um, it the, really sounds like there's a power there's a power thing happening here. Yeah. Um, the last I, sighting. Go ahead. No, sorry, I I was done. Sorry, okay. I was gonna keep going, but I was just gonna say I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> The last sighting of any of the members of the Hart family alive was at a Safeway grocery store in Fort Bragg, California, on the morning of Sunday, March 25th. A surveillance camera captured Jen Hart paying for $20 worth of groceries. The following day, Monday, March 26th, the Yukon was spotted belly up on the rocks at the bottom of the cliff, only a 25-minute drive from the Safeway store. As investigators released details of the crash, the details finally came to light. And I will say when they left that store, they had bought, like, toothpaste, toothbrushes, all this other shit that, like, indicated that... Oh, that's weird. At least Jen thought that they were still going to be alive. That's Um, weird. Yeah. So, um... Oh, that's really weird. Wait, okay. mm Mm-hmm. 
Um, and like they were pulling up their Google search history and one of them was searching like, does it hurt to drown? Um, <gasps> how much Benadryl does it take to knock someone out? Like, um, <laughs> for me, it's one tablet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm asleep in five minutes. <laughs> in case anyone wants to know. <laughs> um, the And the toxicology reports are really interesting. Um, and we're going to get into that here in a second, too. So, so does um, that maybe indicate that one of them was thinking about doing this and maybe the other was not mm-hmm. in on it? That's almost what I'm thinking. Um, Who, which one of them was searching how to drown or whatever? We'll, we'll find out here in a second. Um, God damn it. I want to (laughs) know. So Jen Hart was at the wheel of the Yukon in control as always. Right. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, like that's, that goes without saying. (laughs) She (laughs) She was driving for sure. She's a control freak. She pulled off of highway one onto a gravel turnout and stopped the vehicle 70 feet from the cliffs. She then accelerated the car to roughly 90 miles per hour and, without touching the brakes, uh, plunged the car off of the 100-foot cliff onto the rocks below, killing herself and her entire family. Okay, so that's different than I thought it was going to go. My prediction was going to be that... What's the other one's name again? Sarah. Okay, my prediction was going to be that Sarah had had enough and grabbed the wheel and veered them off. Nope. That was my prediction. But it doesn't look like that happened. Nope. Uh, no one in the car was wearing a seatbelt. It was later determined that... Oh my god, what? Yeah. It was later determined that Jen Hart had had alcohol in her system above the legal limit, and that Sarah (sighs) and two of the children had taken antihistamines that caused drowsiness. Oh! So this is like death cult style. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, no. On April 8th, nearly two weeks after the crash, 12-year-old Sierra's body was recovered. Devante and Hannah Hart's bodies have never been found, but authorities believe both of them also perished perished in the crash. Oh, no. Nine months after the horrific crash that killed the eight members of the Hart family, many questions remain. Was the decision by Jen Hart to kill herself and her family a spontaneous one, or had it been planned when they hastily drove away from their home in Woodland? Um... Oh, I thought that those were answered in this one. It was a different one. Hold up. So weird that they stopped and got... That's just so weird. Yeah. um... I mean, it could have been a security tactic of like, hey, everybody, we're going to stop. I'm going to get some bread and some peanut butter. We're going to picnic in the car. And then why don't you all take a Benadryl and take a nap because we've got a longer way to go. Mm Mm-hmm. That could have you know very I mean? easily been it. Uh, Everybody take a Benadryl so we can all sleep in the car and mom can have some peace while I'm driving. Hold up, because I think I have answers to those questions because I read them somewhere. And I know I pulled all the details that I had. Um. Okay, maybe. Come on, drunkie. <laughs> Maybe I didn't, but, like, I know that one of them was researching all that shit. Right. While they were driving. So, like, I don't, like, I, Ooh, so I can. So, either she was searching it while she was driving, or Sarah was searching it, and she was, in, and they were, they were both in on it. Yeah. I, 
I can see maybe Sarah. That's so crazy. I can see. I bet it'll be answered in the documentary, though. Yeah. I can see maybe Sarah thinking, you know, oh, shit. Like, how, like, let me research. Is this going to really hurt them? Like, are they going to. Herself. I mean, hurt them. Like, is it going to. To be fair, they probably died on impact. (laughs) I hope they died on impact. I don't think anyone drowned. Yeah. I think it was, I think it was definitely Jen's idea. Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, I I think that Sarah just kind of went along with it as she'd done everything else, and I I mean, all we can really do is theorize because technically no one is alive to right say what actually that's happened. So tragic, yeah. Yeah, and that's what really makes me mad about this case is that there's no way to bring them to justice because no one is alive. Mm-hmm. And it it just I think that they knew they knew that the law was gonna catch up with them eventually. Mm-hmm. And you they were can't... gonna be humiliated. Yeah. And no. be, to be honest with you, that's a little bit legit because being gay and just, you know, the whole situation of their fam, the whole circumstance of their family would have made the media go ten times more buck wild with this. Oh, yeah. And it... For sure. Which is upsetting and yeah. also not a reason to kill your whole family. Just no. maybe, you know, stop being such a shithead and <laughs> stop abusing your fucking kids if you don't want to get in trouble for abusing your kids. How about you try that? Yeah. Maybe um, care about your family or at least... Give them get to some a fucking therapist. Therapy. <laughs> get yourself some fucking therapy. Yeah. I mean, adoption is hard. People don't realize that. They think it's going to be cupcakes and rainbows. It's difficult. Mm-hmm. There's trauma there. Th- th- your child is dealing with the trauma of being unwanted. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it's very very hard. And that's not to say that uh, there's not a lot of love that can be that can happen there. But your kids have to feel comfortable to approach you and talk to you. There's also trauma involved in your parents being white when you're black. Mm -hmm. Um, I've got um, my parents have friends who have adopted. um, They adopted a Hispanic boy, a white, a little white girl and um, a little black girl after their twins grew up. Mm -hmm. And it's hard. Like they go to parent teacher conferences and they're like, oh, you're Gabby's mom. And like. There's judgment. There's always judgment. Yeah. She doesn't look at her parents and see people that look like her. I mean, they're, they're, it, it's confusing and there's trauma there. Not to say that we shouldn't adopt, you know, outside of our races. That's 100% what we should be doing. But it's important to know that that's not a cakewalk. Yeah. There's a lot of... There's a lot of layers there and there's a lot of acceptance that has to happen. And thankfully, they're amazing parents and they've gotten through it. Those kids are great. And, you know, it's... It, but it hasn't all been easy. They're, they're, they've definitely been to therapy as a family and they've definitely, you know, they've definitely taken steps to make sure that their kids are okay. You yeah. know what I mean? There is a book that um, I was helping promote before the apocalypse happened. Let me... <laughs> <laughs> let me find it real quick because it is about a situation similar. It's about, um, like, this woman wrote a kid's book for young black girls that have been adopted by white families um and i think it's super important plug and i'm sorry if oh yeah for sure it. um that was an insane case um so the again the title of the documentary is a thread of deceit mm-hmm. um and it is supposed to be streaming on all platforms 
um, all digital platforms on April the 7th. So again, as this is released, it should be coming out tomorrow. Um, hopefully we'll have more info and we'll definitely uh, plug it on our social media when we... I mean, everybody's streaming something from somewhere right now, so... Yeah. Um, the the book that I was helping promote um, was Mariama Lockington's For Black Girls Like Me. It is for middle grade students, but I'm sure people older can read it. Oh, yeah. People a little bit younger, I mean, like, you can Percy read it Jackson's, with them. Percy Jackson is for middle school kids, and I fucking love it, so... Yeah. Um... <laughs> Just because something's easy to understand doesn't mean that we shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, like, it's about this 11-year-old girl who's been adopted by a white family. And, like, she, mm-hmm. um, like, in the beginning of the book, she's got this best friend who is also black, who has also been adopted by a white family. And then they move. And all of a sudden, her older sister wants nothing to do with her. She can't find any friends. And it's really just about, like, dealing and with... And you feel really isolated. Yeah, it's yeah. dealing with what would it feel like to grow up with a family that looks like me? Or how do I figure out where I'm going if I don't know where I came from? Right. So, right. I think yeah. that's... There's a lot of... There's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. There's a lot of it. But, um, yeah, that was the Hart family crash case. Um, I'm super excited. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I'm super excited to see that documentary. Um, I know it was a very heavy case this week. Probably not super funny. But I think we found some (laughs) moments of levity to keep it up. And I, once again, forgot to grab cards. So um, (laughs) you keep talking and I'm going to go do that. (laughs) Um, Keep saying what you were saying. But I just, I think it was super important to cover. And, you know, we are a comedy podcast, but we are not always um, rainbows and butterflies. I'm ready. All right, so it's time for a game. Um, this is our game, of course, called Drunk St- uh, by Drunk Stunder Stupid, called If You Had To. Um, of <laughs> course, it's just Would You Rather. Um, so I think it's my turn. I-, I think it's your turn. I think it's my turn to go first. So um, it's Would You Rather, If You Had To, Would You Ride a Sexually Frustrated Mini Donkey as, one- as Your One Form of Transportation? <laughs> Or be in my natural or, state, be nocturnal. I would one hundred percent be nocturnal. I know you would. <laughs> Between the two of those, I think I might pick that too. <laughs> I'm my most productive at night, but I also really love the sun, so that would be difficult. But also, I need to go places, so. <laughs> <laughs> and that sounds like it would be incredibly slow and really infuriating. Yes. <laughs> I I would be fine with being nocturnal. You know, I've dealt with the social distancing this long. It don't matter. It'll be fine. <laughs> Vitamin I, D deficiency. Who cares? Um, <laughs> crying and freaking the fuck out for an entire week. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, overall, it's fine. It's fine. The world's the world is on fire. It's fine. <laughs> All right, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Um, definitely check out that documentary. Um, and uh, we're, remember that uh, to head over... Sorry, I am out of it because uh, okay. what is life right now? Uh, <laughs> it's Blur's Day. Um, <laughs> so 
Um, definitely head over to our Patreon. We've got some really cool content coming for you guys there. Uh, lots of plans in the works there, but we definitely have some really fun, creepy stories, um, mm-hmm. which are really fun uh, if you want to freak yourself the fuck out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. A good yes. ghost story or a good creeper story. We've got some great stuff over there for you. Um, and we're going to record more of those this weekend, I think. Um, but anyway, um, um, I do. And we definitely had a whole business meeting of more ideas that we have planned for you guys for, for Patreon. So it's going to be um, a really cool. Really cool stuff coming up. Yeah, it's gonna be fun this summer when Kay is not doing seven things. So, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so definitely head over, check that out. Check out the Lexington Bookie. Um, get yourself some reading material for the quarantine. Um, and also, just want to say this real fast. Like, I know it's hard, but um, I, I came across a really cool post on social media from a psychiatrist who kind of distilled all of the advice she was giving to all of her patients. Um, and I might see if I can find a way to, uh, share it to our page on our Facebook page. But, um, there, she had a whole like 25 list of a list of 25 different things of just general advice of how to, how to cope with this. Um, cause she was like, I've had, I've seen enough patients lately that had the same questions about how to cope with the quarantine. And I figured I'd just distill it and send it out to the world publicly. Mm-hmm. Um, because we all need it. And, one of the things that I re- that has resounded with me this week, um, because my house is probably as clean as it's going to get um, <laughs> <laughs> at this point, is you know, do something crafty, do something that's got a repetitive motion to it. So something like knitting, cross stitching, embroidery, crochet, coloring, painting, stuff like that. Something that's that's kind of mindless but also productive. Um, so you can see something beautiful at the end of it, and also. I mean, it's just just repetitive movement like that can be very therapeutic um, and kind of help distance you from the isolation a little bit. So, you know, flip on something to stream, pull out a new I I pulled out personally. I like to um, I like to cross stitch and I cross stitched my niece a a stocking um, Mm -hmm. for for when she was born. Uh, My grandma did that for all of us as um, all of us on my dad's side of the family and I it's something really that I enjoy so I pulled out I pulled out my pattern book today and texted my sister-in-law because she's pregnant with me right now and uh, I we both picked patterns that we're gonna do that that I'm gonna do and she she picked one for her child and I picked one for mine and I went through all my thread and you know I mean (laughs) it's just it felt really really good to know that I have something a, a fun little project that I can start because especially with being in pain like my energy's back but I my like I said at the beginning my hips are growing I think I said that at the beginning uh, yeah. my hips are my hips are growing so it feels like I've been punched in the vagina and <laughs> when I stand for too long or walk and you know rearrange things in the house I I my whole the whole bottom half of my body is in is just aching so it, it'll be good to have something to do that will involve me sitting, but also feeling like I'm not wasting time. Yeah. Because that's what I'm terrified. That's the ang- where my anxiety is coming from is that I don't want to waste the time that we've been given here. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to see the silver lining and see it as a gift, the, the, see the, the extra time as a gift here to get ahead on other things and, you know, organize my shoes for once and shit like that. And it's it's also important to remember to relax and really care for yourself so that's a really great way if baths aren't your thing or you know or doing a thousand push-ups isn't your thing you know what I mean like you know even reading I feel I feel guilty about so it's that'll be something good that I know that I need to do and that 
I can get done and feel productive. And I know that you said something about that you were going to find your crochet stuff. Mm-hmm. Just anything like that that you can do for yourself is important right now. I also, I just ordered um, this book from Amazon that's going to get here on Wednesday. I'm super excited about. Let me uh, find what it was. It's by Jessica. Okay. <laughs> it's the title of this episode. Let me just find. <laughs> uh, sorry. Um, Kay's not prepared. <laughs> it. Um, it was written by Jessica Burkhart. Well, edited by her. Um, it's called Life Inside My Mind. Um, and it's 31 authors share their personal struggles. So they talk about their issues with OCD, um, ADHD, anxiety, depression. Um, and I feel like it's going to be really impactful, um, especially for oh, myself yeah. as like creative writing is a huge outlet for me. And it's also something I want to turn into a career. Um, mm-hmm. And oh, I- yeah, writing is huge. Definitely. If you're not into it, start a journal. I mean, process through this, mm-hmm. you know. And like this we're is, we're on the front lines of history right now, you guys. Like people are gonna. This is gonna be taught in schools. Yeah, this is we're we're witnessing something that is earth shifting. As a person who is studying sociology, I can already tell that this is gonna be a huge shift. And there is no back to normal either. Like that's something to be that's important here. Like when this is over, things will not go back to normal. No, there will be a new normal. And it's important that we accept that because I know change is really difficult for us as a human as human beings. Mm -hmm. But it's important that we get that we get rid of the phrase back to normal because there won't be a normal to go back to this. The world is going to be different. Yeah. So it's important that we start talking about what the new normal is going to be and what the new world is going to look like. And so, I, I think that we and I think it's going to be that. better. Honestly, I, I think I the think world is going to be better for this. Yes. I think we're going to come out of this stronger. I think we're going to come out of this with a better sense of the environment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're going to come out of this um, with a better sense. We're all going to be better cooks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're all going to be more resourceful and we're all going to know what's actually, I think we'll, we'll come out of this with a better understanding of what's really valuable in life. Um, well, I think we really care about and who, who's the most important to us and, you know, how to respect each other and, and how to, how to care for each other. And now obviously there's going to be a lot of people who are still very selfish and that's, you know, that's just part of life. But I think the majority of us are going to see a shift Mm-hmm. in in attitude um i think for sure especially the attitude towards spending time with family and being at home and just being still oh sometimes yeah. instead of you know we're, we're such a go 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 and instant gratification kind of a society i i think that that's going to change yeah and um, I if think anybody it- wants a full frontal <laughs> full frontal example of how this happened in the actual 1920s you go watch now downton abbey right now and you can see how the spanish flu and world war one completely changed the entire world oh yeah (laughs) socially um i think it's gonna be a really a really good thing for education i think people Mm -hmm. are gonna take more stock in online degrees um online educating yeah just to just yeah in general high school at the high school level and I, I there's think there's just this, a lot more that can be said for it. 
And I maybe think we'll go to four days a week at school, you know, and then one day a week is online so you can get shit done mm-hmm. without having to miss school. You know, I mean, there's already schools that do online days. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really shown. Um, shit, what was I going to say? Um, I'm sorry, I kept interrupting you. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Um it's going to show the value of working at home yeah. and how it's actually possible and how you can trust your fucking employees. It's definitely showing that the internet now is not a frivolous thing. It is a necessity. It's a necessity. For how yep. we live in this world today. You have to be connected through the internet or you are not connected at all. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, that's an unfortunate truth, but it is a truth. I, I mean... There would be no way that kids could still get an education today if it were not for the internet. Oh, Um, absolutely. There would be no way that I could continue to work on my degree if it were not for the internet. You know, um, there would be no way for people to keep getting paid and making money. I mean, my husband, I got mm -hmm. laid off, but my husband is not. He is still legitimately working. Yeah. From home. So is my dad. So is my mom. My mom is working from home. I've been laid off just because my job was... Well, you have a retail job, yeah. Yeah. Where I couldn't... Like, there was literally no reason for me to be at work because it wasn't possible. Right. Um, Mine's a little bit different. I probably shouldn't have been laid off, but I work for scums. No, I'm just (laughs) kidding. (laughs) I I work for a very different type of company where we're really not bringing in enough business for them to be able to sustain, honestly. Well, just to sustain without depleting their entire capital. So I'm quite surprised that we didn't close sooner. Um, to be yeah. honest, I'm not, but well, I, I am and I'm not. They're if terrible. That makes sense. And I you mean, always want to hope for the best with them, though. I yeah. mean, like we both have worked there for so long. Like, I mean, I don't work there anymore, obviously, but like we we both have worked for that company for so long that you always want to, they make you believe that they're going to do the best and then they disappoint you. It's Uh, really upsetting. And (laughs) then they try to say that they're telemedicine. Yeah. yeah. And then they try to say that they have family values. But anyway, so um, we love you guys. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Call people. Yeah. A text message is one thing, but call people because the sound of your voice is going to be a a major comfort to your loved ones and it means so much more when you hear them say that they're okay and that they love you it, it just the impact is so much more when you actually hear it so yeah this has been people. soul healing for me honestly yeah, definitely definitely reach out to your friends reach out to your family make sure everyone's being safe and keep each other safe and remember you are not a monster bye guys bye guys thank you for listening to talk crooked Music is by Gisla Niebach. Check out our website, talkcricket.wixsite.com slash podcast for sources and visual aids, as well as resources to get involved. To keep up with our nonsense and stay up to date on all things Cricket, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook at Talk Cricket. To keep the shots coming, access ex- exclusive bonus content, get a free poster, and a shout out on air, head on over to our Patreon. All links can be found on our website. You can listen to us basically anywhere you get your podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. If you have interesting stories relating to our content, please send them to talkcrooked at gmail.com for a chance to be featured on the show. For business inquiries or sponsorships, please email us at carryandkbusiness at gmail.com. See you next time.